good evening, good night, and welcome to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. As always, that is AJ. He is the Green. I am Ken. I am the Beige. And we are here for another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. As you may recognize, my voice sounds a little bit different because right now I'm battling a bit of a cold. But we are going to Michael Jordan flu game this thing. We're going to get through this and, you know, put the points upon the board that we need to put up so that we can bring this home. AJ, how's it going, my brother? Doing well, sir. Um, as you know, in the middle of the move, just switching to a new location. So I'm um, just trying to deal with that throughout the this holiday season, but good nonetheless. Happy to be moving, actually. Yeah, it's always an exciting time to be to be moving into a new location. So yeah. hopefully it will remain exciting for you and just and not stressful because that is also right. the other side of the other side nice. of the equation. So today um, our episode is called "The Champion Is Crowned" because at this point in time the World Cup is now behind us. It has come and gone, and the club football calendar is about to go into overdrive once again, especially in England, where the the traditional festive calendar is going to start on Monday, December 26th, also known as Boxing Day in most places around the world. Most of the players who departed Qatar and Argentina have lifted the World Cup trophy for the third time, and their first since 1986. In Buenos Aires, there's almost guaranteed to have a baby boom in nine months as the streets were flooded with celebrants. And Lionel Messi got the last thing his life <coughs> confirmed as the greatest of this generation and possibly of all time, that is the World Cup trophy. But while he was out there dominating tournaments and winning his team to victory, the NFL was still chugging away in its regular season. And we have confirmation of some of the teams for the postseason, while others are wondering what their approach should be for the last few weeks of this year. AJ, let's get to it. We're going off the rip, as usual, with four down territory. So, you know how we start on first down. Who is your biggest winner of this weekend? Biggest winner is... The biggest winner of the weekend is not a team. It's an entire division. I feel like I did it before, and I'll do it again. It's your division, Ken. The entire NFC South. Because every single team, every single team is still in with a chance of not just getting into the postseason, but winning the division at this stage of the season. Like, it's not out of the realm of possibility that even the Dirty Birds, as you call them, can win this division. There's a 6-8 and team, and... All three of the other teams are five and nine. This is this is incredulous. <laughs> Never thought I'd see the day, but it, it. I mean, on one hand, it looks kind of really bad because these are all teams. One of these teams we know uh, should not be struggling this badly. The others are going through some uh, like transitional phases, so it's a bit more understandable. But on the flip side of that is that it just makes for an exciting conclusion to this division. Even though I don't think any of the teams, whichever team does ultimately win, I don't see any of y'all getting very far. It, it makes for good TV, though. <laughs> that is for sure. <clears throat> no, it's interesting that you would have gone with my division as the as the biggest winner 
of the weekend. Then, as far as I can remember, only one team in my division won this weekend. And that was me. That was the Saints. The Saints were the only winners of the weekend. So, I guess by your metric then, the Saints are the biggest winner of the weekend because thanks to the Buccaneers losing and we beating the Falcons and the Panthers losing their game, then, yeah, I guess if you put it that way, the Saints are the biggest winner of my sorry division because we're the only winner of our sorry division this week. I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take any sort of silver lining that is possible for that sorry team. But my biggest winner of the weekend actually was from your division, and that's the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo have not been as stout or as impressive as we thought they might have been when they started the season by dismantling the Super Bowl champs and stomping on the Titans in the first two weeks of the season. And they have dropped a couple games that we had not expected them to, like to the Dolphins in Week 3 and to the Jets in Week 9, but they could be running into form at just the right time. The Dolphins with Tua have been a much more challenging out this season than most would have thought possible. And having beat the Bills earlier in the season, they had an opportunity for the season sweep and to be one game back of the division and conference leading Buffalo team. This was not a game that Buffalo could take lightly and they definitely did not. Josh Allen threw for 304 yards and four touchdowns in a close one and the Buffalo run game also got into it with 150 yards. The most important thing is that they got the win that keeps them in the number one seed ahead of Kansas City and on track for the bye. Their last three games are at Chicago, at Cincinnati, and then finishing at home versus New England. Can they stay the course? Time will tell. Alright, so that was on first down, the biggest winner of the weekend. So no ages, second down. Biggest loser. Who's your biggest loser of the weekend? Plenty of candidates to choose from this weekend, but I can look no further than my own, and I'll stay in the division, my own New England Patriots. And I don't even want to discuss this in great detail because I can't explain to you what the heck actually happened. I don't think anyone can explain what the heck actually happened. I don't even know if Jacoby Myers can explain what the heck actually happened. But I know that that is arguably the most idiotic play I've ever seen. Like, I've seen some bad plays, but this was just downright stup stupidity. So someone just lost their head in the moment, and we ended up losing a game because of it. And I, it is incredulous to me, the manner in which we threw this game away. And if, if, it, if it was a case where we were a terrible team all season, and th this would kind of just be like the icing on the cake, but the reality is, is that we were still... Like we still had a puncher's chance in this in this um in this um division. But seeing something like that happen sort of feels like all right, well, it's it's kind of ominous what's gonna happen at the end. Like I, I, we thought that maybe we could stick around till the end, maybe not. And while the other teams are proving at this point that they are more equipped to go the distance, we're proving that we're just not ready to match up. This is this is so annoying. <laughs> we we have to be the biggest losers of the weekend. And there were some big losers this weekend. Yeah, Dan, I'm not going to comment on what you just said because I, I have something a little later on in my notes about that. But for me, as you said, there were a lot of candidates for the biggest loser of the weekend. 
but my pick for the biggest loser of week 15 was actually the Dallas Cowboys. Now, this is not to say that they gave up the most points. Although, if you look at the scorelines this weekend, they did give up the most points. Or that they had the worst combat loss. Because, you know, the Colts were up 33 to nothing. And we know what happened after that. But theirs probably has the greatest implication of all of the teams involved this weekend. Dallas were a favorite on the road at Jacksonville. And with their vaunted defense and explosive offense and run game, you'd be hard-pressed to come up with an explanation for Dallas losing this game. Except that very little in this season has gone according to script. Dallas found themselves in a back-and-forth game with the Jags who refused to go away even after being down 21-7 at the half. And found themselves in overtime at 34-all. And that's when calamity struck. Dak Prescott sliding away to his left from pressure attempts a pass to Noah Brown who dives and can't make the grab. The ball pops up into the air and is now going the other way for a pick six over 52 yards and Dallas has their fourth loss of the season. This loss catapults Philadelphia who still owns the league's best record into the box seat for the division. And once they can avoid defeat at the Cowboys this weekend, they win the NFC East. Dallas now has to prepare for a road game on World Carrot Weekend. I don't know what you're hearing over there in Big D, but that was definitely was, not a good look for them. I have not heard many fans talking since that loss. And I usually hear a few of them. Well, that would probably that I'm in close proximity to. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, there's there's nothing there's nothing good to say about this. I mean, we can say that, you know, Trevor Lawrence is looking a lot better with the Jaguars. He has mm -hmm. shown a lot of improvement in his second rookie season. So um we will see if he continues his development. At least, you know, they said that he didn't have a rookie. He didn't have a, a rookie season because he had Urban Meyer as his head coach. That's why he called it this his second rookie season this season. Mm. All right. So, now, over to the least impressive win. Who got your least impressive win for this week? Uh, I feel like the obvious answer, the one I would normally go with is your your city but it's it's too blatantly obvious i'll say this and it's not to throw shade or anything like that it's just because i thought that the margin of victory and the manner in which they would have gone about this game would have been a bit with a bit more vigor but the chiefs and in the grand scheme it means nothing the chiefs are still the best team in the division they're still going to win the division but i i didn't expect the houston texans to take them to overtime honestly it that that's that's pretty much it 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 it's still a win. You still need to grind out some of these wins today. But the Texans are arguably the most lost uh, of franchises in the NFL and, and have been for a few years. Even when they're trying to rebuild, they can't get that done properly. So, I mean, this season has been, again, a throwaway season for them. Um, I just didn't see this result being this close. So I was, I'll say the Chiefs not 
not for any big reason other than I, my expectations were a bit higher for um, the scoreline in this game and to give up 24 points to the Texans as well. Jeez. So you and I are actually in full agreement on this one because I also had the Chiefs as my least impressive win this week. But this is based mainly on the fact that the Texans aren't a good team, as you said. Yeah. And the Chiefs needed overtime to squeak past them. This offense, the Chiefs' offense, while not humming on all cylinders, is still going very well. The defense, on the other hand, not so much. In the last three weeks, they've given up 27 points in a loss to the Bengals, 28 points to the anemic Broncos, and now 24 points to the Texans. Yes, mm-hmm. the regular season isn't where their focus is, but these tendencies become habits that are hard to shake when you get into games that really matter. Now, I still believe in the Chiefs, but they'll most likely see one of the Bills and or the Bengals again this season, and they need to have learned their lessons by then. Yeah, definitely agree. I had no idea you would be going that direction as well. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, to be fair, let me read, let's look through to some of the other things before we, we wrap this up on fourth down, right? So, the 49ers mm-hmm. beat the Seahawks. All right. Mm-hmm. That was not necessarily a surprise. Brock Purdy has been playing pretty well. The Seahawks struggled against the 49ers' number one defense in the league. Okay. The Vikings beating the Colts. <clears throat> I mean, that was a, a reasonable pick, I guess, if you want to have another one. Because mm-hmm. what the hell are the Vikings doing going down to 33 to nothing at halftime against the Colts? But, you know, we we could just move on from that one. The, the Browns beat mm-hmm. the Ravens 13-3. to But this is without Lamar Jackson again. And right now the Ravens are a bit of a free fall. So they are in trouble. Um, the Bills and the Dolphins, I spoke about this one already. The Falcons and the Saints. Mm-hmm. We always, well, not always, but we often beat the Falcons, so there's, there's nothing here or there about that. Um, the Broncos and the Cardinals, this is backup versus, versus backup, and the Broncos' backup was able to get a win. Why, well, then again, they might as well win the games because they don't have a first row pick this season. So, um, The Eagles beat the Bears 25 to 20. The Lions beat the Jets 20 to 17. Both teams are 7 to 7. Here, look, the Lions could be in the playoffs. They could get there, AJ. Mm-hmm. Um, the Steelers mm-hmm. and the Panthers, 24-16. Um, Jaguars, I just talked about them <coughs> and the Cowboys, 40-34. The Patriots fell to the Raiders in overtime, 30-24. The, Char- the Titans are, again, another team that seems to be in a lot of trouble, 17-14, falling to the Titan- to the Chargers. I said the Chargers are in trouble? No, the Titans are in trouble. Titans are in trouble, yeah. Chargers. Yeah, 17-14, the Bengals beat the Bucks 34-23, the Giants beat the Commanders 20-12, and then the Packers eliminated the Rams from all contention. I mean, we knew that they were not going anywhere anyway. Um, 24-12, so that was the rundown <laughs> of this week. Um, so, AJ, who, what was your biggest surprise of the week? My, I, I had to give it to, just because I feel like this deserves a mention, but the Vikings... I have to give it to them because in the first case, I, I won't like, I, I think my initial reaction was more along the lines of, all right, well, yeah, this is this is what the Colts have become, giving up big leads. Even though it was like the biggest lead in, in NFL history, 
blown. But still, I'm kind of like, I, at first I wasn't surprised, but then I was like, you know what? Like, it's actually a remarkable achievement to do what the Vikings did. And on the back of a loss to their division rivals, the Lions, I thought that when I saw the score, because I didn't get to see the game, but when I saw the score, I, I, and especially the way the Colts were racking, running it up by halftime, I'm like, all right, well, the Vikings now lost to the, to the Lions last week. Like it seems like it's the point in time in the season where they're really throwing, showing their true selves, and they'll just show that they're like also ran and they're not real competitors, they're not real uh, um, contenders. But then to see that they had come back after I really assessed it, I'm like, you know what, that's it's actually really impressive because I, I, it shows that they do have a bit of grit and a bit of metal to them that I think had been absent in previous seasons and coming off of a loss to, to have a, a comeback with you like this is like it's a good sign i still don't have them as my favorites for the nfc but i i i was really surprised that they were able to rally like this it 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 does say a lot a very lot very much so about the Colts and how badly this organization it like needs some sort of reform but to me, it says a bit more about the Vikings that they were able to actually do this. Yeah, I mean, so the Vikings, they have some decisions to make when this offseason comes because Kirk Cousins right now, he's on the last year of his deal. And while nobody thinks that Kirk Cousins is the answer to anyone's prayers, he still gives them or he's been giving them enough production this season to suggest that maybe you want to keep him around. Maybe. Probably a more team-friendly deal, but Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins, no, he is like the, the old-school Andy Dalton, which is if you have a quarterback that's better than Kirk Cousins, then you're in good shape. If you don't have a quarterback who's better than Kirk Cousins, you need to find a quarterback. So maybe that's where the Vikings find themselves. The Colts, we don't have to talk about the Colts. The Colts right now, they're a dumpster fire, to put it mildly. The Colts are in trouble. But I was just really surprised, too, that the Vikings were able to come back, knowing that Kirk Cousins, especially when you know the pressure gets hot, that he tends to wilt as opposed to, to rise. But I didn't have that noted here as one of my biggest surprises of the weekend. Mm. But I didn't have them as my biggest surprise. It was I didn't even have that um, Tom Brady becoming Tom the Baker with four hot and steamy turnovers, which was uh, two fumbles and two interceptions to the Bengals. I didn't have that as my biggest surprise of the weekend either. It was actually your Patriots. Your Patriots selling out to Josh McDaniels and gifting the former Belichick disciple a win. That was my biggest surprise of the weekend. Because apparently, what your former um, assistants need to do if you're in trouble is to go play against Granddaddy Bill and he'll give you some money and a win. Because that's what you did to the Lions when uh, Matt Patricia was the head coach and now you've done it again to the Raiders. Rather than allow time to expire and go into overtime, Ramon J. Stevenson is trying to pitch the ball but he pitches the ball to Jacoby Myers, who, instead of 
running forwards, runs backwards, and tries to throw the ball to Matt Jones, only for the ball to land in the hand of the wrong Jones, Chandler Jones, who stiff arms Matt Jones and runs 48 yards to the house, condemning your Patriots to another loss. That was my biggest surprise, AJ. Well, well, I, I mean, I can't blame you. Like I said, it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen, Ken. I don't even know how to begin to explain that. I don't. What? Where's your mind at that point as a player that you'd make that kind of? Were you that flabbergasted, that flustered in the moment, that perplexed that you didn't know what to do? Like, well, I mean, clearly that's what it was, but. Let me move on, man. I don't know what to say about this. I already had a bad weekend. I, I understand. I was about to say that right now, this this podcast is turning into a full-scale therapy session for you because <laughs> you, you seem to have a lot that you're going to need to get off your chest tonight. Oh, boy. Yeah, it, 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 it was a rough sporting weekend for the Williams household. But before we get to, to that... Um, there's another bit of news that came out, not this past week, well, it came out during this game week. Um, so the New Orleans Saints organization in total has been fined $500,000, AJ, by the NFL because of something that happened during the fourth quarter of our loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In the fourth quarter mm-hmm. of the game, while the Buccaneers were going hurry up, Cam Jordan took a knee on the field, which caused the game to be stopped. He was The trainers and the athletic staff came onto the field. They came and they saw him. They talked to him on the field. They took him off the field into the blue medical tent. And... Later on in the game, Cam was able to return to the game. However, because of this stop, the Saints were fined $350,000, Coach Dennis Allen $100,000, Co-Defensive Coordinator Ryan Nielsen $50,000, and Cam Jordan $50,000 for their roles in this fourth quarter delay this is according to reporting by adam schefter now i'm not going to make it seem as if cam is the only one who has been fined this season because cincinnati Bengals safety jesse bates he was also fined fifty thousand dollars for allegedly faking an injury which he told reporters he plans to appeal now the biggest issue that i have or should, let me finish my lead-in first before I talk about me and my issues, right? But, AJ, the NFL is making it seem as if Cam Jordan has faked an injury and he basically did what he did to just to try to slow down the game, right? That is their argument. That is their hypothesis. It would probably make sense if there was no medical imaging, any sort of testing done to prove that there actually was an image, an injury suffered by Cam Jordan. Because there was an MRI done on Mr. Jordan's foot, which showed that he has an injury in said foot. But the league still goes ahead and finds the Saints 
and Cameron Jordan $500,000. Your thoughts? Um, well, like I told you earlier off air, right? I had only seen the headlines. I did not know the story. Oh, this is, that's a lot to unpack because... So I'm I'm really trying to process this because I was just listening to you say it. I hadn't even had the chance to read it um, to get the full details. But as you said, like, but how how is it they determine whether the injury or whether there was an injury or not? Because if you're saying that there is an MRI to prove that he had an injury, like I I can understand from the perspective of them not wanting it to become a case where um, players feel that they have the the that they have the license to go ahead and do this kind of thing because it's not like reprimanded or there's you know like like there's no regulation on it. So yeah, you try to regulate the use of it, but it seems like one of those things where it it can't be black and white though. There will always be gray area and and that is a hefty fine to impose for something with such a gray area though. I I Issue aside, I, like the first thing that came to my mind when you mentioned it is how did they come up with the figure? Like, what is what's the metric for determining the figure? I, I know in seemed to when I was doing my degree, there was someone who I, there were two separate individuals who were like adjunct professors to my classes. They both worked for the NFLPA, right? So they they gave us a a, a bit of insight into, and I don't know if this is like insight that you would not have known. Of, but it's just basically saying that I'm just quoting one of the things they both told us at different times is that like these things get judged on like like the, the fees are kind of like based on history as well, right? So how like if it's happened in the past and 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 then the the yeah the issue of fee based on that kind of thing and especially like with regards to the player himself like if he's almost like a repeat offender in a sense that you know these kinds of things it's like an arbitration kind of so. I mean, I don't know how your guy has gotten on in the past with 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 um, fines and whatnot, but it seems to be a standard across the board because you said that Jesse that um, Bates got the same the same, same fine for, for for faking. So so then it is a standard. So so then back to my initial question about the fine: How do they arrive at that fine? I don't know. This is a lot. I I, I want I want to let you take the lead on this my thoughts are still a bit scattered i I'm, i just have more questions than answers at this point but i will let you go ahead because this is your team and yeah take a sip of water and then get into it because i know it's about to be a serious one yeah boy i had to um, make sure i moisturize the vocal cords because the last thing i want is a cough to catch me down in the middle of what i'm about to say now, I'm glad you made the mention just now that when it comes to the NFL and their handing out of fines and stuff for infractions, that they usually try to look into teams' history to determine, or players' history to determine the heaviness of the fine, right? Now, I know within myself, but no one has told me, I have to make sure that I say it this way because we don't have a legal department. I don't want anybody to sue me. But I know within myself, even though no one has said, 
that because of the two teams involved in this particular situation is one of the reasons why the NFL is taking such a close look at it. We already had the fight earlier this season with um, Marshawn Lattimore getting blindsided by Mike Evans. Therefore, the NFL wants to make it appear as if they are going to make sure that there's going to be no more foolishness, no more shenanigans to come out of this particular matchup. When the Saints are playing the Buccaneers, everybody needs to be on their P's and Q's because the minute that somebody steps out of line, you are going to be hit with something. So, we have a situation where a guy takes a knee on a fourth down and then he comes back into the game, four plays into their next defensive into our next defensive um, possession. But the NFL is trying to make the point that Cameron Jordan was not actually hurt. He only went down to try to milk the clock, break momentum, something on Tom Brady because we'll be tight Tom Brady, somebody actually be hurt and he has to wait. So we're going to have to do something to make sure nobody decides to get hurt on the field with Tom Brady ever again. $500,000, right? So remember when Marshawn Lattimore got suspended? Well, sorry, when he got kicked out of the game, I told you that he did nothing wrong. So why was he kicked out of the game as well? But because they had to even it up, he got tossed as well. And we ended up losing that game. Apparently, the Saints don't have a good reputation with the NFL. They can't. Because if we had a good reputation, there's no way that you're finding the team. $350,000 for what? We have two uh, co-defensive co coordinators, and they're both hit for $100,000 each. Did they get on the radio and tell um, Cameron Jordan to take a knee? Why are they being fined? That doesn't make any sense. They haven't done anything wrong. They're standing on the sideline with headsets on. So why are they being fined? Nobody in Cincinnati is being fined besides Jesse Bates. And Jesse, I don't know if you've seen the clip, but Jesse Bates was standing up one minute and then he just dropped on the ground the next. Like if somebody shot him from inside the crowd. I did not see that clip. And and to be fair, I can't even remember the Cam Jordan one either. I'd have to go look for these. But but all Cam, but it was a, they ran a play. the The Buccaneers were hustling to the line on fourth down because Brady did not want to come off the field. Cam took a knee. The trainers came on. He went off. He ran into the blue medical tent. Like I said in my lead-in, if there was no medical imaging, if there was nothing to point to, I could say okay. Well, maybe, you know, they're just trying to pull a fast one. We see it every week, AJ. This is not an uncommon thing. Every week, somebody during the hurry-up phase of the offense takes a knee. They stay down a little bit longer. Who are we to say that this person that stayed on the ground is not actually hurt? After all, they're playing a game that hurts. On every play, somebody could stay down. If it's not a lineman banging his head against another lineman, it is somebody taking a tackle that your body is really not designed to withstand. 
how are we then looking at these players and saying no you are faking and that is going to cost you fifty thousand dollars and oh mr head coach you knew what he was doing so that's going to cost you twice as much and oh you have another defensive coordinator so that's going to cost him twice as much as well and because your organization is constantly complicit in these kinds of situations we're going to find them three hundred and fifty thousand dollars what are we doing nfl what are what are we on because this makes no sense it makes absolutely no sense i could sit here and rant and rave for the next 28 minutes about the NFL and their discipline and foolishness that they like to do to my franchise. But we have bigger fish to fry and my throat is getting a little bit dry. I don't want to start coughing on the, on the camera and on the microphone. So do you have anything else to add, sir? No, and I get completely where you're coming from. I I don't, this, this is one of those times where I have to wait for more information to come out because nothing that if, if that's all there is to it so far, like it, that doesn't make sense. I can't understand why a hefty, such a hefty fine would be imposed on so many parties without some sort of concrete evidence. So I'll wait to see what happens. If there's any more information to come out on your scenes, but I don't know, it's just, it's just a very odd situation. It's a very odd situation. Like I said, if there was no MRI, maybe I could understand. But you have legitimate concrete proof to show that a man was hurt and you are mm -hmm. still going to issue the fines like we don't call and have a conversation first anyhow enough of that foolishness the nfl and their discipline because don't care what they're doing they just find more foolishness to do all right so aj now that i've gotten my stuff off my chest it is now your turn because we're moving from the gridiron to the beautiful game and as i mentioned in my leading qatar 2022 the work of is over it feels like if it just began and in a blink it's done argentina are the world champions unlike the world champions that we get in the world series or that we get in the super bowl they're legitimate world champions because they have beaten the former world champions in the final and they have literally conquered the world. Lionel Messi, as I mentioned before as well, he had won every other trophy that was available to him except the World Cup. And now Argentina are the champions of the world. How did we get there? Well, I don't really want to recap it that much because it involves my Brazil being knocked out in the quarterfinal stage by Croatia. Whereas Argentina, they beat the Netherlands in a very hotly contested, very ill-tempered game. I don't know if you remember that, AJ, because it seemed like if we were on the verge of fisticuffs a number of times yeah. during yeah. that particular match. Your French men, they got through the quarters by defeating the English. And who was the other team? I don't even remember now. Oh, sorry, Morocco. Morocco, Morocco were yeah. the other team that came through in the quarters by beating Portugal in the semi-final stage. Mm -hmm. We had the French playing against the Moroccans, and we had the Argentines playing against the Croats. 
the Argentines were able to get through that game and play against the French in a game that really and truly on the balance of play maybe maybe I can say it was even or at least that the the result <clears throat> mirrored what happened for the majority of the game I'm pretty sure you don't agree but oh you said you mean for the final itself yes for the, for the final itself okay because yeah. Argentina dominated the final for hmm. 70 odd minutes they were up 2-0 before Kylian Mbappe scored two goals in 90 seconds tying it up it went to additional extra time or the you know what well, used to be the sudden death overtime and then the Argentines they scored again Mbappe equalized again and then we went to penalties where the Argentines came out on top four to two that was the final and it was one of if not the most exciting finals of all football I have ever seen in my entire life now AJ I know when we discussed this on hashtag this just in when we did our recording on Sunday the it was fresh for you and you said at the time that you didn't give an acronym so now that you've had a couple additional days to think about it what how do you feel about the final as a spectacle not necessarily about the, the result because i know how you feel about the result i i am so glad we do this live on tuesday um because <laughs> I was still weaning this out of my system on Monday night, uh, up to Monday night rather. So I'm in a bit of a calmer place right now. I think I can give a, a, a fair assessment. Um, I mean, I have, I guess I have to agree with the masses, uh, that on face value, like for, for a neutral, it, it was one of the most exciting games. And I guess a lot of the reason that was so as well is because the two main players, two of the best players in the world right now, took center stage. And mm -hmm. it was always billed as it was going to be that. You know, it was, yeah, will, will Messi win his um, first World Cup and uh, what would most likely be his last World Cup game? Or will Mbappe have two World Cups by the time he's 23, you know? And, Bo I mean, both players played it down a bit. Other players played it down. It was like, yeah, well, you know, it's team versus team. But it was those two guys that took center stage. And I, 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 as you said, I mean, Argentina really dominated the game. But the way that France was able to get back into it, and it was like, it was like two punches going blow, um, blow for blow, essentially. Mind you, Argentina dominated for the vast, like almost three quarters of the game, as you said. But with the little bit of time that the French had, they were able to actually get back into due to the clinical nature of, of one man. And then the extra time was the extra time sort of felt like it when it when it was the, the blow for blow. There's you know how WWE matches would be with the two superstars and it's just one and then they wait for the other one to punch them. you know, just back and forth. That's mm -hmm. that's kind of how it felt. There was there were there were some momentum momentum shifts in, in the extra time and then Obviously, for it to go to penalties, there were opportunities mainly on the French end to actually clinch it, um, especially like at the end of extra time. So, yeah, if, I mean, if I did not have a dog in the fight, I would really have been licking my chops 
with that game. Um, unfortunately, you hate to be on the losing end of it. But no, it was a really good game. It really was a good game in, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, definitely. I I didn't have a, a true dog in the fight. I officially wanted both teams to lose. I've been on record <laughs> as saying that I wanted it to come out that both teams fielded an ineligible player. Somebody was caught doping so that neither of these teams would have been able to lift the World Cup. Because similar to what happened in 2014, when Brazil was hosting the World Cup at home, I was forced to either go with the rival, the arch rival of my my favorite team, which is Argentina, or I would have had to go with our European conquerors who had just demolished us at home, which was Germany. And at that time, I told myself, as much as I would love the trophy to be able to stay in South America, Argentina cannot lift the World Cup on Brazilian soil. That just is not going to happen. So at that time, I was forced to go with um, Germany to win mm. the World Cup. In this particular situation, it was either that Argentina wins the World Cup. Messi gets his first. Okay. I'm a fan of Messi. So that was one thing I had to win. But there are lots of friends of mine who are Argentina fans who I really can't stand. And I, wouldn't, I don't want them to have a very good day. So that was the other side of it. So then it was like, okay, I'm, I'm still going to hear Argentina. And then it was like, well, but if France wins, then France repeats. They'll be the first one to repeat in a World Cup since Brazil did it in 1962. And then I'm going to have to sit across from you. And you're going to be smiling at me for the next four years, telling me about how France are back-to-back champs. So, AJ, unfortunately, at that time, I had to make an executive decision and say, hey, look, if somebody has to be, if somebody has to be celebrating, it cannot be you. <laughs> uh, you know what? I don't blame you. The... the the French and Brazilian fans, especially from our region, have developed this rivalry over the years. And Argentina will always be a rival, I get it. But I think in more recent years, especially with how well France has been doing as a nation, as people wanted to see them tail off a little bit, wanted to see them fall a little bit. Because I know a, a few people have been telling me and even an argentine fan told me just today boy look i needed this one because i know when next this thing happened i i had to get it this one for sure yeah for so sure because you know leo if they had lost we know for sure leo would have retired right there and then again and had he retired <laughs> then where does the joy come from for the argentines yeah yeah and i'm i'm really hoping he retires soon because then I get at least they'll be able to look at me and say, "Well, we're world champions." I'm like, "Yeah, welcome to no waiting for the next twenty years." You you understand what that feels like, no? So that was that was the final. But one of the things that we have been hearing a lot of with regards to this World Cup is that it was literally one of the best we have ever seen. It was definitely one of the most exciting. It had a lot of activity 
from start to finish. We had teams who overachieved in some instances, like the um, Morocco team, who was the first ever African team to make it to a World Cup semifinal. Then you had teams that disappointed completely, like Germany, like Belgium, like Ghana, for example. They're, when you look back on this World Cup, AJ, World Cup 2022, mm-hmm. Qatar 2022, what is your feeling towards the tournament? And I have a follow-up question to this one before we move on to our last point for today. Cool. Cool. So let me just try to be brief with this one. I I think it was a really good tournament. All things considered, there was a lot of hesitation, I guess, and, and I wouldn't say low expectations, but tempered expectations rather from fans because of the timing of it. Like we even discussed that before the tournament, right? And it did start off a bit cagey, which I think is understandable. Like teams, you just You've been playing um, association football for the entire season. No, you've gone to meet up with your um, nation to to jump into a World Cup one time without that like month long break before you actually you know have time to ingratiate yourself and whatnot. So I I think teams started off a bit cagey. Like not everybody wanted to jump all the way into the deep end and was like you know sticking your toes into the pool to just test it out a little bit. But then. I, and I can't even remember what was the turning point, but when things got going, they really got going. And it, it was an exciting tournament. There were there were a lot of shocks, a lot, quite a few shocks, um, positive and negative. Um, but it, it had everything that you would want as a fan, as a true fan of the sport. I'm not talking about your messy fanboys who jumped on at the final and who keep calling our stores trying to find Messi jerseys. They're not available anywhere in the world. There's no Argentina jersey available anywhere in the world at any retail um, um, outlet or store. Like, try to find someone selling one, an individual selling one. But I digress. Um, no, it, it was... Given the fact that it was the first of its kind with regards to the timing of the event, I think it came off really well. I just don't want this to be a precedent going forward. Like I, the the Winter World Cup thing. I mean, and 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 to be fair, I I can't see them doing that. Like based on where the location is, I can't see this being a a common thing. Like I I would hope as as crooked as FIFA might be, that they don't hold a World Cup. And this is no secret anymore. That there's a whole documentary about this. So this is yes. not conjecture or anything like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I would hope that they're not wayward enough to hold a World Cup in the winter in a location that actually has like a cold winter. Like Qatar is not that kind of climate, you know what I mean? So it was okay to do it then. But um I I I I feel like it has opened up my mind a bit more, and I won't be opposed to the idea of that going forward, but just not as long as it's too frequently, basically. Understood. Well, I, I personally, I had an opportunity to watch about 90% of this tournament. I, I saw, well, obviously I didn't watch the Saturday games, but I saw almost every game that I was going to wake up for 
Because like we had said before the tournament started, the game's kicking off at 3, 6, 9, and 12. And I was not waking yeah. up for no game at 3 o'clock. Nor was I <laughs> going to be forcing myself out of bed to watch a game at 6. So I was able to see all of the 9 o'clock, all of the 12 o'clock games. And mm. from what we were, we were treated to, we were given an extremely intriguing tournament. It was exciting. The quality of play was actually very high as well. Mm-hmm. So hats off, hats off to them, hats off to all the teams, hats off to all the players who were able to to give us a lot of excitement over the last month. Um, when we got through the group stage and we got well, actually when we got through the first knockout round, and then we were, you know, we had some days off waiting for games to come again. It, you kind of felt like a fish out of water. Because you got into this rhythm of just watching football every day, pretty much all day long, yeah. and then it was over. Yeah. So, yeah, I I do have to hand it to them where that is concerned. Now, the follow up question I had with regards to this was in terms of the timing, because you did mention about like the the Winter World Cup, mm-hmm. and we know that the timing did have something to do with what we saw. We catalog players who could not make the tournament because of injury but you had a situation where players literally would have come in maybe in the best form that they could possibly come into a tournament because they had literally just left their club teams Mm -hmm. playing the weekend before maybe one or two warm-up games and then bang here's the tournament so Mm -hmm. in like looking ahead not as you said not necessarily with a like a winter World Cup somewhere in Europe or here in the US where it's going to be very uncomfortable for those fans who are watching. But would you be open then to them doing it again where, from the players' perspective, where they're coming into the tournament now in a probably in a better rhythm than if they were to do it in the summer where you have finished your club season and then there is that break in between? Yeah, yeah, I was actually thinking that afterwards and um I I and then you did mention it, but I think that had a lot to do with the quality of football that we saw because it like cuz usually players would go through a season and in a World Cup year, the World Cup is added after the season finishes. So, you play the first half of the season, you have a little bit of break. Then the second half of the season begins, you have to get into that rhythm. And then after that season ends, then you go into the World Cup. So I guess the stop, start, stop, start is sometimes sort of why we... we I, and I think the World Cups are always good still, don't get me wrong. But mm-hmm. um, I think the stop, start, stop, start is probably why it, it might make it a bit more choppy at the end. But this time, as you and as you alluded to, like players literally just coming out of camp with the club to then going into national team camp, like within the space of a week and then having to kick off, like they were already warm. Gears were, gears were ready to go. Like they weren't, they weren't basically, they didn't basically have to stop and then start over from first gear to build back up. They already came into this World Cup in third gear. The only thing left to, to get into rhythm was that mental side of it. All right, no, this is the World Cup. We need to, yeah, we only have a specific number of games, so we need to, to, to all be on on our P's and Q's. So, like I said, and that took a couple of games for some teams to get into. Some still didn't get into, into that gear. But the overall product, and I, I think that too added to 
the fact that we saw some shock, some shockers in the group stage because some of the teams who were able to like pull off wins in the group stage that that shocked us. Like even Saudi Arabia beating Argentina in that game, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, because I I I feel I I can I would suggest that that was attributed to the fact that those players were basically in their season because most of them play over there, right? So I think their season was still going on, wasn't it? I think this or, or was it or just, did it end? It had or just, just ended? finished. But the majority okay, of the okay. Saudi Arabia team plays on the same club team. So they they literally okay. brought their club form. Their club, into okay, the okay. Well, there you go. But yeah, so I mean there's so many different aspects of the thing. I I mean, honestly, yeah, I because of that, that's what has made me a bit warmer to the idea of, of doing it like this again. Because I think that it, it has the potential to produce this type of quality and this type of parity on a more mm-hmm. on on a more consistent basis. So yeah, I mean, you know how we are as fans of this sport. We don't like too much change when it comes to certain things, especially when That's it true. feels like it can be to the detriment of the players, right? Yes. But I I honestly don't know if at, at the end of this World Cup, I don't think there'll be any player that'll be complaining about the time in which it was held. I I don't think so, and and. It it, it 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 should be not just could be but i I'll, I'll go as far as saying it should be something that they look into in in the future again okay well i'm glad that you you feel that way um because it would have been interesting if you know a lot of people started to talk about qatar in the same way like to talk about the the lakers bubble championship because it happened <laughs> in an unprecedented time in an unprecedented manner and then well a team that has i mean the, the parallels are right there a team that's had lots of former glory has found a way to yeah. to win it with a generational talent at their helm so well you know how i feel about that i still think there was some 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 <laughs> a full plot afoot but um at the end of the day I'll, I'll leave that alone and give credit where it's due to the team that won but just on a whole, I, I, I'm, I very much more like the idea of the Winter World Cup after what we've just seen. Understood. <clears throat> now, finally, before we get out of here, you know, Qatar, a lot was made about Qatar as the host nation. It's, I guess it's odd to ask this question because neither of us have been to Qatar. Neither of us were in Qatar during the World Cup. So right now we are going to have to just, you know, kind of suppose the surmise based on what we've seen, the reports and and everything. But I'll go first on this one. Qatar as host of, of the World Cup, by all intents and purposes, it seems as if it was a success. Um, there were challenges going into the tournament. You know, there was the whole question about how will LGBTQ force be treated in Qatar. From all of the news reports I've seen, there have been no incidents. And if anybody had had anything happen to them in Qatar, we would have heard for sure because that was what the media was was watching for and waiting for. So, from that perspective, I believe that you know, Qatar has been a success. And we saw reports about you know like women saying that you know they felt safe on the streets that they can move around freely and don't feel like mm-hmm. if you know someone might try to drag them off into an alley or you know they'd be sexually assaulted 
no no cat calls and that kind of stuff so i would have to say that based on what i've seen what i've heard qatar qatar did a good job as host whatever transpired before that got them there as hosts that is not for me to comment on that's water under many bridges at this point but the fact is that those who were in qatar and were able to take in the experience of the world cup they haven't complained they haven't said anything and people people were able to get back home which is better than we can say in a lot of other situations what are your final thoughts on that one yeah well like you i um i do follow number of people who are in the media who would have been covering from Qatar and whatnot. And I mean, besides one individual who unfortunately met his demise over there, and that is a story in itself. I'm not going to go into that. But um, outside of that situation, it seems like a general consensus was that the the tournament was a success, even with the the um, worry and uh, hesitation that there was before the tournament because it's is a, a a country with a completely different philosophy to and, and culture to one which is normally the host nation um it it seemed like an overwhelming success i mean you can't ever please everybody right you cannot okay. so there will still people who will will still be individuals who would have had their issues with it but by and large I, it, it was a success and and I, I far be it for me to to try to argue against that. Um, I think yeah, there was just a lot of fuss going on in the beginning, but then as things went on and we saw like the the quality of the on field product and the fact that as you mentioned, like we didn't hear many issues of uh, all like all but one, arguably like there was nothing, no other foul play taking place outside of the the actual football product right so it um I, i'd have to say it was a success and and given the way this entire thing was perceived and as you said like even the manner in which qatar came to be host I, it's, it's so much it's so much we could delve into about that but uh, to be fair to them it seemed like they pulled it off uh, at first it seemed like it was this was going to be like a fire festival kind of thing because was hearing about like <laughs> about housing still still being um in under construction like days before the tournament and whatnot but haven't heard any negative stories as yet let's wait to see people still getting back from flights and things but as of now it feels like the tournament was a resounding success oh yeah definitely so now AJ, that brings us to the end of today's rundown for today's show and of course well we didn't have anyone viewing us live tonight, which is not a surprise because it's five days before Christmas. Right now, I know outside of that door, there are lots of preparations happening, and that's probably the case <laughs> most other places. Do you have any special plans for Christmas this year? Yeah, um, Kim and I, my wife and I, are going to actually head to Houston to be with my aunt and uncle and their family for the timing so we won't be alone this time you know mm-hmm. and then for new year's we partied up and whatnot ringing the new year in a different fashion but it'll definitely be family time for christmas so um didn't even feel like driving bro so we <laughs> about to hop on a bus 
and go across there, <laughs> spend the weekend, and then come back. <laughs> yeah, but that's basically it. Just just some family time and chill back. Cause their their house is kind of like a little refuge for us, just to get away and relax and you know, mm-hmm. not have to worry too much. So as as basic. I mean, in the midst of all that, we still need to be packing and stuff before. As soon as this is done, I'm about to go and pack my brother. As in, pack to move. Yeah, yes. pack, start packing boxes and stuff. So. You know, trying to manage two things at once, but what about you? And what are you? I know you had your family coming in, your mom is in, and your sister's there and whatnot. So your family gathering is basically like it is is all is competed or is still waiting on members and well everybody that was traveling is here. Everybody okay. that's traveling is here. So we we have a house full now. Um one of my sisters in law, she is here with her daughter as well. So nice. We're going to have them all here through the holidays. Um, my mother-in-law, she's going to be coming over from Christmas. They have two cousins who recently moved into the state that are going to be joining us for Christmas as well. So our house is going to be packed. There's going to be a lot of food. It's going nice. to be a lot of fun on Christmas Day. I know That's there really are like some it. festivities that are going to be extending into the Monday, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. some of us have to go back to work. So, I know, right? <laughs> So I will see them when they, when they return home. But it, this is this is what the season is all about. It's all about spending time True. with your loved ones, is to enjoy each other and just mm-hmm. have a good time. So for all who will have experienced our Green Beach podcast before or even just after Christmas, we want to wish you all, you and yours, from us and ours, a very Merry Christmas. A very happy and safe holiday season. And mm-hmm. as always, that is AJ. He is the green. I am Ken. I am the beige. And hopefully we shall all be able to be here and see you next time.